It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid report prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Who told you that? No one. What's up, Gator Nation? Welcome into the Gators Online Show. Zach Albaverde and Nick Del Torre here, and we've got a exciting one to recap from Columbia, South Carolina, as the Gators go on the road, snap their losing streak, win their first game on the road against an SEC East opponent since 2020, Nick. Uh, so this was a big one. If you ask Steve Spurrier, the biggest win ever of the Billy Napier era. Uh, One of the rare times I disagree with the head ball coach. Well, we'll get into maybe why he feels that way. Uh, 41 to 39, the Gators find a way to get it done in the fourth quarter. We'll talk about it on today's episode. We've obviously got no game to preview, so we will assess this football team uh, during the bye week, and we'll have former Gators beat writer Thomas Goldcamp join the show to give his thoughts on the team so far this season. Nick, how are you doing, my friend? We got a uh, we got a week off. Yeah, still writing. We're still pumping out content, uh, so you can go over and check out Gators Online. Get in the door for just one dollar there. Yep. Um, the players might be off, but but we but we've been writing. Um, but yeah, catch up on some sleep. Saturday, great <laughs> UFC card. I'll be watching that. Be watching some great football games. Tennessee, Alabama. Um, I think Alabama smacks Tennessee this year. Still don't think Alabama's good. Some people are getting on me um, because uh, I said Alabama or because I said Tennessee wasn't a good team, but then called Tennessee Florida's best win. Um, so listen, I'm playing both sides of the fence. Shout out to Harrison. Got on me for my hat. We're supporting NASA here. Got a new hat. All right. All right. I've been wearing my bird dog's hat. He got on me on Monday night. We'll, we'll 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 definitely give our shout out to uh to bird dogs, but uh we'll got got a lot to get into on on today's show. You guys can leave your uh comments in the comment section. We'll get to them as well. But what a win for the Gators on, on the road! And obviously, this was the one that they had to have uh, the, the narrative going into it. So much about um, this team not being able to get it done away from the swamp in true road games. Obviously, in games in Jacksonville and the bowl game as well, if you count those. Uh, but no longer is is that the case. Uh, they got it done last year as well. Uh, and interestingly enough, Nick, both times that they've scored 41 on the road in SEC play, uh, they've gotten a W. And that's the only time that they've eclipsed 40 points uh, in conference play under Napier. So maybe that's the magic number. Well, I mean, we, we'd be firing people if you're losing games scoring 41. Uh, that'd be like LSU territory right now. Uh, which will be one of the opponents that uh, we'll have. You you featured a story today featuring the uh, rest of the schedule. It's crazy mm. because, like, you look at the rest of the schedule and it's like, all right, well, Arkansas is not the Arkansas that we thought they were. Like, it's mm -hmm. not the big, strong physical team. Like, they're scoring a bunch of points. LSU can't spell defense, let alone try to play it. But they'll <laughs> score on you. Um, yeah. We thought Very Missouri would well. be bad, and Missouri's good. Uh, and then FSU and, and Georgia are uh, two of the top five teams uh, ranked in the country. So 
certainly it's the teeth of the schedule uh, that remains for Florida. Uh, yeah. But yeah, you you might have to score forty one a, a week <laughs> the rest of <laughs> yeah. the rest of it's, the rest of the way to get wins. That's that's the uh, number that that they might need to get to. And look, uh, we'll talk about the head ball coach maybe a few times on the show. But one thing he also said this week was Billy called his best game against uh, South Carolina. So um, maybe the Gators have found the groove their last two offensive performances against Vandy and the Gamecocks have been very impressive. So uh, we've been very impressed with all the stuff that we've gotten from Bird Dogs, and I know you guys will as well. Go to birddogs.com slash Gators or use the promo code Gators for a free Hydro Flask-style water bottle with your purchase, and that could be the hat that Nick has been rocking. You guys have seen him with it every week. He's He's going with the uh, the NASA hat this week, um, but he's he's got that bird dogs handy. I've got it as well. I mean, it looks great, uh, but I haven't been able to rock it like my polo and obviously like the khakis as well. Um, you know, Nick had his uh, his bird dogs on the road trip that we just took to uh, to Carolina. It was a little chilly out there, um, a little rainy as well. So the they they were perfect uh, for that type of weather. And uh, if you do want to uh, check out. The khaki shorts, they are designed to fit slimmer uh, through the thigh and giving the leg and giving you a truly sculpted look. Um, they do the same thing as Lululemon, but fit way better than regular shorts that are made of stiff, restricting cotton. So uh, make sure you guys go check it out at birddogs.com and use the promo code Gators to get a free hydro flash style water bottle with your purchase. And now we get into the South Carolina game, Nick, where uh, Florida was able to go on the road and snap this losing streak that has kind of been hanging over their heads. Uh, you know, we mentioned the win over Texas A&M, but they hadn't beaten a team in their own division, uh, which is going going after this season. Uh, but nonetheless, after the way that they played at, at Kentucky, um, this was something that they needed to do. And it took some mental toughness in that fourth quarter uh, to get it done. Yeah. I mean, uh, sitting up in the press box down 10 in the fourth quarter, um, Probably getting ready to start writing my story about Florida going one and eight uh, on the road. You know, that's not a situation where Florida, at least this season or in the last two seasons, has answered or has responded. So um, to see, one, the offense put up the kind of points you said they did. But also Florida, you know, when they're at home and they get punched and they face adversity, they answer. And it's probably easy when you've got 85,000, 90,000, you know, behind you. On the road, they got punched in the mouth. Um, in Utah and went down, you know, nearly 20 something points. They get punched in the mouth of Kentucky and they're down 20, you know, four scores and nearly at Kentucky. And she's like, all right, well, you can't answer on the road. Florida answered on the road in the fourth quarter, down 10, um, got two straight touchdown drives. Uh, yeah. So like, I think we learned a lot about the team talking to Andy Staples this week. Andy was kind of talking about Florida being like not an air raid team, but like, yeah, Florida will just throw the ball 40 times a game now. And I'm like, wait, what is that? And then if you look at the schedule that we talked about, like, Hey, shoot, maybe they have to. And, and maybe last week wasn't just, Hey, we have to do this against South Carolina, but maybe, Hey, we've always had this potential and, and this will be our new identity. No doubt. I think you're going to have to do that at LSU. <laughs> um, you're going to have game. to do that at LSU because LSU is going <laughs> to score. I don't care what defense you have. LSU and Jaden Daniels are going to score. And it was good for the offense to be able to go out and and prove to themselves that they could do it like that. They could come back. That was the first time that they've won a one-score game this season. Um, so that's something that was new for this team. 
And uh, look, Graham Mertz, man, um, ever since the season opener, he hadn't had a 300-yard game. Like, he played really, really well, but he hadn't had a 300-yard game. He hadn't pushed the ball downfield. Well, he did it in this game. And PFF, they did a good job. You know, they've charted all this. Uh, in the five games since the season opener, which he threw seven passes over 20 yards, uh, attempted at least, uh, he'd only had nine in the five games before the South Carolina matchup, nine total. And in the South Carolina game, he had 12. Um, so they just totally flipped the script on what they've been doing with their downfield passing, and it paid off. Uh, now, they didn't, you know, some of those deep passes aren't 40, 50 yards, but it, it's obviously more than what they had been doing, and it paid off for the Gators and paid off for Merch 423 yards. Um, Never had a 300-yard game in his career at Wisconsin, Nick. And now he comes over here. Um, I, I didn't know if he had a performance like that in him. And um, for, for Ricky Pearsall to kind of step up the way that he did, he definitely um, made a smart decision by coming back to school because uh, he's putting up way bigger numbers than he did last year. Yeah, I mean, Ricky's having a great year. Um, I think what really is helping Ricky is, one – Trey Wilson, uh, the offense has looked different with that with and without Trey Wilson. Uh, but two, you're getting an emerging Arliss Boardingham. And now, you know, it's not the same as 2020, but like when Kadarius Tony was out or when Kyle Pitts was out, it affected the other one. Um, because when you you want to take away Ricky Pearsall, well, Eugene Wilson and Arliss Boardingham are showing that they can go and get yards and score touchdowns. If you want to take away Arliss Boardingham, well, now you're singling Ricky, and Ricky goes and has a game um, like he did for 10 for 166 and a touchdown. So it's not just that Ricky's having a great season. I think you have to give credit to the guys around him on offense. Um, without those two other players, like Florida doesn't have a bunch of guys that defensive coordinators are looking at being like, okay, we have to figure out how to stop this guy. Uh, yeah. So when Eugene Wilson was out and Arles Boardingham wasn't being featured, it was, hey, just know where number one is, stop the run and know where number one is, and they'll score 12 points today and we'll be fine. Yeah, Florida's had some weapons emerge, and that's key. Um, as we dig more into this game with South Carolina, we want to bring in Thomas Goldcamp now uh, to get his perspective on this game before we kind of jump into the bye week and give a, kind of a fuller assessment on this team. Thomas, what's going on, man? Welcome to the Goldie. show. Hey, it's good to see you guys again. Doing good, good to see man. you. Yeah. Good to see you. How much have you been following? Now, listen. If when I when I leave before <laughs> the beat, I will I will stop watching for a little while. Uh, just recalibrate. How much have you been following the uh, the Gators? So I'll give you the real answer. I've I've watched pretty much every game. Um, depends on you know the quality of the opponent. Uh, how how closely I'm watching it, I would say. But uh, I'm I'm still following along. Yeah, and and obviously, man, this this season has has had some interesting. Uh, twists and turns. They they obviously go out on the the season opener and, and lose on the road at Utah. And uh, I think everybody kind of freaked out from that game and, and how sloppy they kind of looked, just kind of unprepared. Um, and then they turn it around with the win at Tennessee, and you think that maybe this team has turned a corner. And then, you know, all week leading up to that Charlotte game, they said they had a bad practice. Players talked about it. The coach even mentioned it. And then they go out there and played like it. Uh, and it seemed like that kind of bled over into Kentucky week. So I think there's a big question mark going into South Carolina is like, what type of team were we going to get? And 
you know, unfortunately for the defensive side, they didn't have a great game. Uh, yeah. You know, the offense kind of put it together, but this was kind of another concerning game for Austin Armstrong's unit. And yet, as McElwain would say, um, when they needed to get stops in the fourth quarter uh, with the game on the line, they did show up and make some adjustments. Um, so that, that is something cool. you can build on. Yeah, I think I made the point during the game that this defense just feels like it's a year away to me. You know, like it, you look at each level of the defense and you've got young guys contributing. You've got, you know, Shamar James at the linebacker level and Scooby Williams obviously stepping up. Uh, the yeah. defensive line, we've seen a ton of guys step up. Secondary, same thing. Um, so I look at it and I, I see, I think this team is just one year away defensively from having some of those dogs, you know, those guys that require a double team, that require you to scheme around them a little bit. Um, but I look at the the talent across the board defensively. I agree with Thomas there. I think it's, you know, um, when you look at the defense and, and you've got a starter started six, the last six games, six of the six of seven in Jordan Castell, um, you're playing two sophomore linebackers yep. starting them. Bryce Thornton's playing a ton. Uh, you're playing a ton of TJ Searcy. He's played 35% of the snaps um, on defense. You're playing a ton of Kelby Collins. It, it's a young defense. And um, I said with Keith earlier in the year, like we thought and we knew that Florida was going to be young at some key positions. And we thought that it was going to, there were going to be some growing pains. Um, hmm. Now that doesn't make the growing pains feel any better when you're going sure. through them. Like the growing pains of making mistakes at Utah or getting beat by Kentucky, you know, like, okay, that, maybe those were the lumps and the growing pains people were talking about. It doesn't make it feel any better. Um, but when I look at this team, the best players, the guys who are making the biggest impact are young and will be back next year. So we talked a lot about Florida's schedule being really tough in 2024. But if you look into it, like there, there's a lot of guys that are leaving Miami, UCF, FSU. I think FSU has 18 seniors, something like that. Um, and Florida's going to be getting back the majority of their playmakers. You know, there was one play in the game. I don't know if you guys noticed it. Um, I, I didn't see it until somebody pointed out to me on the uh, on the on the Gators online message board. But uh, I, I think it was the the drive before the game winning drive that the Gators had, um, and it was a second down play. And Austin Armstrong is just losing his mind on the sidelines, trying to get Jaden Hill's attention. Yep, I remember that one. And he's basically sniffed out the reverse that was happening and is just trying to tell him to go to the opposite side of the field. Um, and he got his attention. Jaden got over to the other side at the last second, kind of stopped the play for a short game, and the Gators end up getting off the field on the next play. Um, you know, that was huge, I think. That was a pivotal point in the game, and it was good to see kind of Austin be able to, you know, recognize that. They were obviously having to make adjustments there in that fourth quarter. Um, and, and even Hill's another example. I mean, that's a guy that's that's still playing a new position at that star spot um, and, and maybe may, may not recognize that as fast as somebody like Austin can. Um, but, man, the way that they bowed up in that fourth quarter uh, and obviously they get the turnover from Miguel Mitchell, um, that, that's something that they can then build on. But, man, they, they got to find a way to, to uh, play better on the road defensively. Yeah, and they got to be more consistent. And I think that, again, just goes back to the youth. But – you know, I, I do look at the defense. I, I think it's pretty well coached. You know, I'm not a great judge of those things. You know, I'm not an X's and O's expert or anything like that. Um, but to me, they're they're reacting quickly. You know, it's it's not like you see a team continually gash them and gash them and gash them. Kentucky aside, 
uh, hmm. they've been pretty good at, I think, adjusting to what opponents are doing. And I think that's why you've seen probably, you know, a little bit better performance. And, and, if, and going back, I think the one thing Florida's defense has been susceptible to is probably big plays. But you go back and look at um, Austin Armstrong's defenses um, at Southern Miss, and they gave up some big plays. And when you look at what Florida does, they're playing a lot of single high safety. Um, they play a, a lot of man with their guys on the outside. And, and those are, you know, outside of Kimber and, and Marshall, who I don't think Marshall's having as great as a year. And I think the hate on Jalen Kimber is going way too far. I think when he makes mistakes, they're, they're just kind of catastrophic. I mean, listen. for the most part, he plays well. He's the second highest graded Gator in coverage by pro football focus. Um, look, uh, look, Shane said this on his show this week, like, and it's, it's so true. And I think Muschamp used to say this or McElwain was like, you know, fans fail to realize like the other team is going to complete some passes. Like it's going to happen. Like, and the two times that Jalen did give up to uh, some deep passes against South Carolina, he was right there. Uh, he made the tackle both times. The guy didn't get any extra yards. The other, sometimes the other receiver is going to make a play. The one that to Leggett was just a perfect throw and catch from Rattler. Um, but on that same possession where he gave up that deep play, he makes a touchdown saving tackle on second and goal. And then on the next play, they sack Rattler and force a field goal. If Jay, if Kimber doesn't make that tackle and they score there, that changes the complexion of the game at the end. So, um, it is what it is, man. I, I think that there's a reason that, that he's out there uh, starting right now. Hate's gone too far, Zach. <laughs> um, well, listen, let's uh, let's kind of jump into the bye week and, and kind of give a, a full assessment of this team. Uh, before we do that, I want to give a shout out to uh, My Perfect Franchise. If you are ready to leave the corporate rat race for the American dream, looking for a side hustle while working your current job, or wanting to diversify, build wealth, and or leave a legacy, Andy can help. Andy is a franchise consultant as well as a franchise owner and helps people find franchises that fit their skill sets, financial requirements, time to commit, and more. His services are 100% free, and he's here to help. If you have any questions about business ownership, you can learn more and contact Andy anytime at myperfectfranchise.net or calling or texting him at 404-973-9901. Uh, the Gators get an off week now to kind of heal up and uh, assess where they're at and what they can do to get ready for this matchup against number one, Georgia. Um, the Gators have lost two in a row to the Bulldogs, five of the last six. Um, we won't get too much into that game per se, um, but more about what the Gators need to do this week. I mean, we're already uh, at Thursday. I think this is their last day of practice, um, and then they'll have Friday and Saturday off. But um, what do you guys think of this team here kind of at this break point and, and some of the things that have been good and some of the things that they need to work on? Go ahead, Thomas. Yeah, I'll start. I think the first thing, uh, thank God they beat South Carolina. <laughs> I mean, just in all, in all reality, I mean, Nick knows, you know, looking at the message board and I'm sure you as well, uh, how ugly things could have gotten having gone into the bye week with a loss there, four and three, all of a sudden you're looking at the schedule and it's like, is there more than one win left? And uh, I think now <laughs> yeah. you look at it completely differently. You're one win away from bowl eligibility. You know, you feel like Arkansas is reeling a little bit. You know, Missouri, they're playing really good football, but you can potentially, you know, win a shootout with them. So you're looking at, I think, the potential to kind of set the direction for the program going forward. And I think the main thing for for Billy Napier, given how well he's been recruiting, 
has been simply kind of just let's let's make sure the wheels don't fall off in the meantime. And I think that was the kind of game that that really keeps you from having the wheels fall off. It cools the, you know, cools the hot seat a little bit and, and any kind of talk like that and allows you to kind of go forward, build forward. And who knows? Yeah, we've seen crazier things happen in this Florida, Georgia game. Now, I'm not going to go making any weird predictions, but uh, I, I just think you're in such a better place mentally now going into this bye week than you might have been had that game gone the other way. Does Mike McNeely have uh, time off at Publix and or any eligibility left? Might take a crazy special teams play for that. But I think. Um, Crawshaw fake, Nick. Crawshaw fake. I mean, I've been waiting for it. I've been <laughs> waiting for it for years. Um, the biggest thing for me is I think we've said as a program, Florida's learning how to win. Um, and, you know, like Swamp Kings comes out and, and I mean, we yeah. were in college during those years and, and a lot of Gator fans remember that. Um, I remember talking to Billy Napier at the Miami Gator Club, and he was like, yeah, like recruiting, none of these kids remember that. He's like, that's 15 years ago. I'm recruiting 16, 17, 18-year-olds. Like, they don't remember when Florida was good. They remember Georgia winning back-to-back national championships. They remember Alabama winning five in their lifetime. He's like, none of the kids that are, like, being recruited now remember Florida being anything other than what we've seen since we've been covering them, really. Um yeah. And I think it's a young program learning how to win. Billy Napier, as a young head coach, learning how to win. I think he let off, and he admitted as much, let off the gas against Tennessee. You could have really put that game out of reach. Um, And then what I saw last week was a young team learning how to handle adversity on the road, learning how to win on the road. Uh, If Florida would have lost last week, then I'm thinking, okay, well, just chalk up losses for all the road games the rest of the way. Missouri, LSU, Georgia. Uh, those are losses. Maybe you can sneak a win at home or something. But I think what what is happening is, one, you have some momentum coming off of, hey, we had a really good offensive game against Vanderbilt. Sure, it's Vanderbilt. But now it's, well, we put together two really good offensive games, I think, yeah. against two bad defenses. Um, but you have some confidence, and in, in you can carry that into the bye week. You'd almost like them not to have a bye week to kind of you know keep that, that confidence going. But they are banged up and needed to get some guys – um, healthy. So to, to piggyback on what Thomas said, I think it's huge for the mentality of the team and also um, keeping the recruiting class together. Like if, if Florida yeah. would have lost to, to South Carolina and now you're three and two or, or three and three and, and, and four, and four three. three, sorry, four and three, and, and then heading into Georgia and probably four and four and, and looking at the rest of the schedule, you know, you're like, okay, where are the other two wins to get? to bowl eligibility, which uh, we learned from Keith, uh, DJ Lagway will be on campus in time to start going through practice with the team for a bowl game. So mm. get to a bowl game and get DJ Lagway on the scout team and, and practicing with your team and getting him ready for next year as well. No doubt. And uh, Thomas sent out this tweet um, after the game. And uh, yeah, uh, I think a, a lot of fans would agree with it, man. He said five and two at the midway point. I think most Gator fans would have taken that at the beginning of the year chance chance to make some statements about the direction of the program uh, in the second half, and that's that's really what they did, man. Like I think if you look at their schedule at the beginning of the year to be five and two at this point, one loss in the SEC East. Nick and I talked about it in our rapid reaction, but like you were you're still in the East race, you're still in it as as much as it's a long shot to beat Georgia. Like you have something to keep playing for. Um, and I think to have the win against Tennessee 
under their belt and, and have beat a rival. Um, now they're going to get kind of go into look at the second half of the season or this last stretch and try and get a upset over a rival. And I think that that's what it's going to take, obviously, uh, whether they beat Georgia, LSU, or, or Florida State, it's going to be an upset. Uh, and we will get in our last segment, we'll talk about which one maybe they have the best chance of winning. Um, but I think that they, for them to be at five and two, to get that monkey off their back with the road win, um, it just changes the whole discussion going into the Georgia game, the hype around that matchup, the coverage around it nationally. Um, maybe the Gators even sneak into the top 25 before they play Georgia. They were getting some votes this past week. So, um, I mean, perception is everything. Like, like to what to Nick's point, uh, and talking about the message board. Like, if they would have found a way to lose that game at South Carolina, uh, it is just dead. There's no excitement. There's no juice. I've been taking, I've been taking PTO this week. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's that's might have been where we would have been at. Um, but instead, like like you said, you're you're feeling good about where the offense is, and, and it's found some groove. Um, what do you guys think about uh, Spurrier's comments about Billy calling his best game, and um, you know the the fact that he aired it out seemingly more than he had been willing to, or or you know, um, but just his uh, and look, and he didn't shy away from the comments. He mentioned it at a presser. He doesn't seem to be, um, you know offended or anything like that i'm not saying he's going to take spurrier up on his advice but uh uh clearly he went out there and uh kind of i thought called probably his best game since maybe at tennessee last year um but you know everybody has complained about his play calling and him being the you know the oc but at the same time you got to give credit where it's due and i, I mean i thought he had some i thought he had some well-designed plays in that game and some timely calls I've got I got one quick thought on that for sure. I think two things. One, you've started four different combinations on the offensive line this year. Four different combinations. That's really tough to do. Takes a yeah. while to get those guys gelling. And then two, you've had really young tight ends because of injury. So mm-hmm. those are those are the you know two of the spots where Billy Napier really needs kind of guys that know what they're doing, know the system, and are able to execute for his play calling to be able to do what he wants to do. And so I think you're starting to see. You know, as Kingsley started to get a little bit more healthy, and obviously, hopefully, Florida can get him back here. Um, but then, as you've seen, I think especially as Nick mentioned, Arliss Boardingham really starting to step up. You're seeing a little bit more of teams are having to step off Ricky Pearsall a little bit. They're having to account for, you know, Boardingham underneath. They're having to account for the run game a little bit more with Montrell Johnson and his kind of patience and, you know, Etienne and his explosive ability. And so I think as those two units, in particular, offensive line and tight end, have kind of gelled a little bit more. I think you're naturally seeing some of the the results in the play calling that at least on paper, that's what it looks like to me. Good points. Yeah. And I, I'd wonder if, I don't know if the calls were different or or maybe the, there was an emphasis on, Hey, let's try not to check down. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a really bad South Carolina defensive, like Torian Gray's worst secondary. Um, shout out to Torian Gray. Saw him in the press box. That was a, a blast from the past. Um, I mean, they were I, last I want, in the SEC in pass defense. So, like 118th or 120th in the country. So, like, yeah. Billy wanted to talk about perspective on the SC teleconference. There's some perspective. It was, it was, it, 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 you did that against an atrocious South Carolina defense, but it was on the road, uh, which is, is something. 
Um, I wonder if that was the game plan going in to the week because their passing defense was bad, but their run defense was also terrible. Um, or if that's just something that you made an adjustment on Saturday. Cause I don't know that I've thought that Billy Napier has done well making wholesale adjustments or even, you know, key adjustments on Saturdays. And I thought he's been a great coach and just hadn't been in love with what he had done on Saturday as a play caller. Um, so I'd wonder if, Hey, that was the game plan or if that's something, Hey, listen, we got to scrap what we did and we need to start doing more of this. And you can't do that. You know, you, you don't work on a game plan for six days and throw it away on the seventh. Um, but I wonder <laughs> how much of it was what they had planned to do versus what they adjusted and, and were able to do based on what happened during the game. Now, I know that this is going to be kind of tough to assess coming off of a bye week because their next matchup is Georgia, and Georgia's really good offensively. But um, where do we – you know, we, I know we've touched on it, but where do we feel like this defense is at um, kind of heading into this last stretch where they've had – you know, they've had four uh, really good games defensively, and then they've had like two and a half um, where that have been not so good. Um, you know, I, I thought – for the most part, against Utah after that opening play, they they kind of made some adjustments. Uh, yeah, but man, on the road against Kentucky and South Carolina, um, and again, it's really been two players in both of those games, like Davis going off for Kentucky and Rattler going off against South Carolina. So, um, the, and then there's also the youth that we've talked about. But how much better do we ex expect this unit can get? How tough might that be because of some of the opponents coming up and the offenses that they're going to play? Um, but I think, you know, tackling obviously is something that still seems to be a, a bugaboo. It Tackling's been, been an issue and really just in two games. Uh, I think getting – the biggest thing that we've talked about with the defensive line, I don't think there's any like big all SEC guys, but you had so much depth that you were able to rotate guys and keep them fresh and – and I think you played gap sound. I think Florida, especially against South Carolina, was just out of their gaps, not fitting their yeah. run gaps. Um, and, and that is something to me that you're going to have to fix um, moving forward. As you head into this part of your schedule, you need you can't afford to um, be giving plays off, drives off, um, or getting the right defensive call but not filling your gap, and then that turns into a 15-yard gain. You're, you can't give away plays like that um, if you're a defense. And I tend to think that Florida is more of the defense that we saw, you know, for most of the game against Utah, against Tennessee, against McNeese, if that counts for anything, um, against Vanderbilt, then in these other games. Now, if it keeps happening, I'll probably stop calling it an outlier. It'll stop becoming an outlier. Um, but I, I tend to think that Florida's had – like you said, Zach, two and a half bad performances uh, on yeah. defense, and that's probably more of an outlier than the norm. Yeah. I think it's just learning how to play on the road, honestly. I think some of it, you look at the way they play at home when they're energized and they're fired up, and it looks a notch better than what you see on the road. So I think For sure. you know, some of that's just probably youth and immaturity as well, just, just learning how to play at that consistent high level. And then uh, last but not least, before we get into our final topic, uh, there's three phases of this game. Special teams. Um, the Gators have found their kicker. Um, you know, they've uh, they've got their punter, always had their punter, uh, and now they're trying to make something happen 
I think in the return game, but it, it, it you know, we, I always felt like there was going to come a point in the season where they were going to need special teams to win a game. And look, they don't win that game without Trace Mack showing up the way that he did and them figuring out that kissing, kick, kicking situation and also not having any special teams uh, issues, you know, major penalties, something that allowed South Carolina to extend a drive. They had none of that. And then the last play of the game, obviously, they made the game-winning play. Um, well, they don't beat Charlotte without Trace Mack. No, they, no, they don't beat <laughs> Charlotte without Trace Mack. Now, I want to know, and maybe, Zach, you'll probably remember this from a press conference, but, like, what what were we watching? What were we watching in the fall and in the summer, in the spring? Like, what were we watching at practice? They they said they both were, like, a 90% yeah, rate. Like, must have just been money, sure. dude. Sure, I guess. Uh, quickly showed that that wasn't the case. Now, I wonder if, like, Trey Smack was j- is just like a lax bro. Like, remember when we talked to him in, in preseason? He was like, yeah, I loved lacrosse, played soccer. And we are like, what about football? He was like, yeah, I kind of just started doing that in high school. Uh, he seems like he maybe just is like a lax bro, just wants to play some lacrosse uh, and is just doing football because he's paying for school. Maybe that played into it. I don't know. Uh, but judging by the way, like the ball comes off their feet, it doesn't make much sense to me why we had to wait, you know, two and a half games uh, for this starting kicker. They got him now, Nick. What do you yeah, think on, spe- on special teams, Thomas, and just the obviously just the whole discussion of they had the, ten guys the- on the field for a uh, PAT the other night, by the way. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think it's kind of, you know, the lowest common denominator to just not screw up, right? Yeah. Uh, so I will give them credit for doing that against South Carolina. Um, I'd like to see Florida get to the point where special teams are actually a weapon again, and I don't yeah. think that happens without. Uh, it's just to be honest, a more serious approach when it comes to special teams, and I, I don't know, I'm not in those buildings, I don't know what they're doing, um, but I know that you know when it comes to trying to be creative in going after kicks. I don't see a whole lot of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if that's something that the game has kind of gone away from those years where you can block multiple kicks like Urban used to do. I don't know. Um, but I, I do think that there needs to be uh, probably a, a long look taken at, at what's going on with the special teams and how that operation is run. To that note, like Derek Wingo has almost gotten his hand on a couple of punts, but like Derek Wingo just had like foot surgery Already wasn't your most athletic linebacker. Um, looks like Rob Gronkowski with all the stuff he has on his shoulder and his arm now. Like, clearly he's playing through an injury. And, and that's the guy that you're, like, scheming to go <laughs> and block a punt. Like, Chris Rainey, Jeff Demps. Um, like that's what I'm wondering. Like, is, is Trey Wilson out there on some of these blocks, these block no, teams? sure is not. Like, but that those are the guys that used to be – on special hey brandon you go back out there and now we have two tight ends three running backs and a couple defensive uh defensive linemen just to like create some space and we're going after this punt um you know to me like derek credit to derek Wingo, he did get his hand on a punt uh it's still like somehow rolled 40 yards um which is kind of just the luck that florida special teams have had i can't remember what game that was that was at home um but yeah, like I, I don't see like those guys. I don't see Trey Wilson or Caleb Douglas or, or guys like that um, on special teams. 
Yeah, and and obviously uh, they they got some they got some game changers. Uh, I think that's what they're called, right? <laughs> so they're supposed to be channel changers. <laughs> um, well, we're gonna get into uh, this uh, this next ad read before we get into our uh, our final segment here and uh, and talk about these last five games that the Gators got on their docket. Want to give a shout out to uh, Prairie Dental Center. The doctor is a UF grad who's practiced in Gainesville for three decades and has developed a deep understanding of how to diagnose and treat various dental problems along with advanced skills and knowledge to provide more effective and efficient care to his patients. If you're having dental concerns or just need a cleaning, Prairie Dental Center offers a wide range of personalized care options to meet your individual needs. Give their office a call at 352-373-3431. Tell them Gators Online sent you and your new patient exam will be free. Uh, we've already talked about this a little bit um, when we were talking about Florida's schedule and, and some of the teams coming up. Obviously, number one, Georgia, is next. Uh, the Gators will be on the road at LSU, which is uh, currently ranked number 19 in the AP poll. And then they will face uh, Florida State in the regular season finale. Three rivals still left on the schedule. Um, and... Look, I still count LSU as a rival. They've played them every year since the 70s. And Bro, have- LSU's won eight of the last ten. That shocked me uh, when I was looking up some of the stuff uh, during the bye week. Eight of the last ten. Haven't, Florida hasn't beaten LSU since Brad Stewart welcomed Joe Burrow to that series with his pick six late in the fourth quarter. Um, I can't believe watching some – I think I watched three LSU games this year. Their secondary is so bad, just <laughs> so bad. Um, the DBU argument is not being had this year, um, but it, I think it all starts with Georgia. I, I don't know, and maybe one of you guys does. I, I don't know what Florida's offensive game plan is to beat Georgia. Uh, Florida, it's certainly not Kentucky. Like, hey, if you tried that one against Kentucky, that's not it because Georgia is a bigger – faster, stronger, more athletic, more talented version of Kentucky, which blew you out with that game plan. So you, you, process of elimination, that one's out. I just don't know what Florida does outscore Georgia. Now, then you get into the rest of the schedule and you think, okay, well, you can probably beat Arkansas at home. Missouri has been such a weird back and forth between <laughs> That between offense the is two really schools. good. Their offense, offense is really good. Brady Cook is good. Two – uh, Eli Drinkwitz credit got his job for being a play caller. Realized, hey, there's a lot on my plate. Got a play caller, and, and Missouri's been really good uh, this year. I did, I think, predict or talk about how Florida would lose to that Missouri game, that Missouri team, but it, it predicated on Missouri being bad, Florida being bad, it being an 11 a.m. kickoff. I was say, you got to have the early kick. Yeah, an 11 a.m., uh, 40 degree <laughs> early kickoff. Like, hey, that's when we get weird in Missouri at 11 a.m. local time. Um, but you're gonna have to you're gonna have to score 38 or more points on the road yeah. to beat LSU and to beat Missouri. So we've seen it now, um, you know, once. But the teams you're gonna have to do it against are way better than that South Carolina team. Yeah, it's you know it's interesting. I think Florida they got five games left. They'll probably only be favored in one of them. They'll be favored against Arkansas, Arkansas. but like they would need Missouri to probably lose um, to Georgia, to Tennessee, 
Um, and then they'd have to like, I don't know, play Georgia close and then beat Arkansas to be favored. Uh, I like, I don't know. Like, but again, if they're underdogs at Missouri, nobody's going to view that game as an upset for the Gators if they win. Um, at least to me, like, I think an upset. That's tough. You're literally an underdog. Yeah. Um, but no Florida fan is viewing that as like, okay, good. We got an upset win. No, there's, there's, there's no, there's no line. Yeah. That's what they'd say. And even if they lose and they're underdogs, I feel like fans will still take that poorly. Um, Can't believe you lost to stupid Missouri. It's it's stupid Missouri either way, whether you win or lose. Even though Missouri's got enough wins over Florida to probably, you know. Uh, yeah, what is it, like five and five in that series? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty now, I think it is. But to me, obviously, for Florida fans, they want to see a win over Georgia, Florida State, or LSU. I think if you go to LSU and win in Death Valley, all is forgiven. Uh, for losing at Kentucky. Um, and I just – I've never thought that that was a win that Florida could go in there and get until I saw how bad LSU's defense has been. Um, I just don't know if Florida can keep up with LSU's offense, if the Gators can get enough stops. Um, and then you look at Florida State, like they're, they're, they're very good offensively. They're not as elite as LSU or Georgia. Um, they're like a top 25 offense. LSU and Georgia have top five offenses. And then their defense is like middle of the pack. Their defense is 58th. Um, I mean, they're, again, they're talented. I just I, – I feel like that's a more winnable game for the Gators than going on the road and trying to win Death Valley. I don't care how, how bad LSU's defense is. I got See, I got a weird feeling about LSU, man. I don't know. I just – Jaden Daniels is so good, but he's been so much of everything for them that if you can devise a plan to at least mitigate him a little bit, I don't know who else LSU turns to. Like, you know what I mean? Like Malik Neighbors yeah. is great. Uh, Logan Diggs is very good, but I, I don't know. I haven't seen them be forced to win a game yet. So I, I think th- you can make things interesting in Baton Rouge to me. Give me a – give me. Zach has never had a night game in Death Valley. Zach oh. is over here rooting for that 730 SEC network kickoff. I want it bad, man. I changed my pick if it's a night game. <laughs> Everything I said is now void if it's a night game. Um, I think I've only had one game that was a night game, but it started at like 5 p.m. Um, so, like, it was the third quarter by the time the sun really set, but that place goes nuts. Yeah, it's different. I'm I'm ready to say. I mean, I was I was I was there for the uh, the that 2016. Tell the people yeah. what you, what what happened on that trip, Zach. What did you end up purchasing in Louisiana? I've told this story before. I don't know if I don't know if Q Lee has heard it. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I got up there and <laughs> didn't uh, didn't come prepared with a jacket, and I was I was struggling the night before out in New Orleans, but I was. You know, toughing it out. Um, a little then, liquid heat helped you um, in New Orleans. But then we get to to Baton Rouge, and it is just cold and windy. And you get up in that press box, and it is just like Florida's. It is open air, and I was freezing, so I had no other choice. <laughs> no other choice. Go, go buy an LSU sweater mm. and. Uh, Warm myself up in the press box, so no, I put it, I, I put it underneath my uh polo, though. So it was like a, noted out the cheers from Zach as Florida as LSU was coming back in that game were deafening in the press box. 
he might have cried a tear, one thug <laughs> tear, when uh, the gold line stand happened that year. Yeah, and then Marcel Harris makes the uh, the tackle, man. What a crazy finish. So looking at this schedule, how many, like Florida sits here now, five and two. How many, what, I guess what's a, the steal? Well, hold on, before you, before you ask your question, what's your, what's your upset, Nick? What's their, and I know you've already predicted it, but let's officially hear it. They're upset? Um, yeah, what's their best chance at an upset? Maybe Florida State at the end of the year? Maybe. <laughs> you've you've already you've already got the graphic with the W on it, my friend. Oh, that's that that was from June. Yeah, yeah, that graphic from June. I'm six and I'm six. I'm seven and zero on that graphic. That graphic. I shouldn't have changed my picks. Um, yeah, you I think, think they're going to lose at Missouri and then beat Florida State. Yeah, I, I did pick I a, a loss in Missouri. Um, but like Thomas said, I need that. I need that 11 a.m. local for, <laughs> for that to happen. I need the 11 a.m. local. Uh, for a little sleepwalking through the first half. Um, but I was going to say, I, I think it could be Florida State, and this will get into that too, Zach. What, what is a ceiling um, best-case mm. scenario for Florida to finish, seeing here at 5-2 and two, when you look at the rest of that schedule? Uh, and, and what's a floor? Obviously, a floor could be just a complete and total wheels fall off. You finish uh, you know, 5-6. and six. I don't see that happening. Um, but, Thomas, you can start us off. What do you think is – a best case and a worst case for Florida uh, with the last five games. Yeah, I think the worst case is one more. I, I think Florida gets Arkansas at home. Uh, I just I don't see that being a particularly challenging contest. Um, or a ceiling, if you want absolute best case, I think three wins from here is absolute best case. I wouldn't predict that. I think two is probably the safe bet. I think you get Arkansas and then either Missouri or a surprise against a, a Florida State or an LSU. Um, I lean towards towards two at this point. Yeah, I seven would say five, seven five would be a good season. Yeah, it's fine. It's nothing, nothing spectacular, but it's not going to get uh, it's not going to get the natives overly restless, assuming the recruiting sure. class stays strong. So I, I think that's the key. To me, I and I said this before the year. I, I I thought like you beat Tennessee at home and get the seven wins. Most fans will be happy. That's you know that's not what they hope for, but they'll like. You've had two six and seven seasons. I think it's so key to get that seventh win in the regular season. Um, but I think the floor would could be not getting it and only getting to six, only beating Arkansas and then losing the rest of them. Um, that's totally, you know, I think in the cards for Florida, if they don't take the right approach. And then if they can keep it going offensively, um, grow up a little bit more on defense and, and find a way to go out and uh, get an upset like, Man, I, I think that they can get two. Uh, I'm kind of with Thomas. Like, like probably three would be the best. Um, there's no way they run the table though. Like, that's not that's not happening. Um, but taking my job as the negative one, Zach. Uh, but I mean, hey, I I think that there's a chance out of Florida and L, Florida State and LSU. I think that they could beat Florida State. Um, and then I, I think that you got to just take care of business at home against Arkansas and find a way to uh, win a shootout against Missouri. Um, I think that, that that's how they get to eight. Uh, you were the only one uh, at Gators Online to pick eight wins preseason. I should have. I sh and I was so – I was so – I was like, there's no way they're going to run the table and get that Kentucky win. I was 
doubtful about that. I shouldn't trust in my gut. I think I pre- I predicted seven and five. I think Keith was six and six or seven and five. Corey, one more win. I think Corey's out. Keith <laughs> is six win. and six. Corey was five was and seven. Six. One more win. <laughs> Corey needs him to lose out, and then he'll look he'll look like a genius. Um, a hated genius. Uh, I think one win is probably your ceiling or your floor ceiling. Jeez, don't misspeak now. I think one <laughs> win is your floor. Um. Uh, I'm going to go three is your ceiling, I think, but I don't feel good about that. I'm just on my positivity vibe, my positivity campaign right now. Um, I'd really like to say two is the ceiling, but uh, positive. I feel like two is more realistic, and I could see your scenario, Nick. I could see them losing at Missouri and then beating Florida State. Florida State, like, Jordan Travis still hasn't been tackled from the 2022 game. Like, he's still (laughs) out there running around with Ventrell Miller (laughs) and Amari Birdie chasing him. Uh, just whipping on tackles. So, like, can you can you tackle uh, Jordan Travis this year? Who's going to cover Keon Coleman? Um, I just watched, like, a 5'10 receiver jump up seven feet in the air and catch a ball on, on, on Jalen Kimber. I don't know who's covering Keon Coleman. Um, who's blocking Jared Verse in, in the rest of their 23-year-old defensive line front seven? Like, that. those are serious questions. Um Outside of that, yeah, uh, Florida State's not very good. Uh, you know, outside of all of those guys. But, like, it is at home. Um, do you get some, like, 97, 96, 97 vibes where you can kind of, like, <laughs> ruin, like, rain on their parade late? Um, yeah, it'll be interesting to me. I I, I think it, <laughs> the the graphic that we put out when I predict that 7-5, and five, it is just a wild end of the year it's like lose to lsu <laughs> lose to missouri beat florida state um i think i had like lose to arkansas or beat arkansas i can't remember it was a wild end of the season but um it i think we learned a little bit about florida these last you know last week um i still i still put it into perspective of like it was a two and three south carolina team sure their losses were the top 25 teams um but they haven't passed the eye test. It's not a good defense. So um, I think this coming week will be will be a test, obviously, against number one Georgia. Can you keep it close? Um, how healthy do you come out of that game? I think will also um, play a big factor into the rest of the season. You know, you're going to have a big physical game with Georgia uh, against a, a bigger, more physical team than you. If you come out of that game with some key injuries, um, like knocking on wood here, Graham Mertz has taken shots this yeah. year. And I think the players that will be delivering the shots are bigger and better than they have been. And like my ceiling and my floor changes a lot. No disrespect to him. If Max Brown is going to be your starting quarterback with an injured Graham Mertz. So you got to come out of this Georgia game, which I think I don't know who will be predicting Florida to beat Georgia. Maybe Corey will this week. Um, <laughs> But it, but it won't be me. He's going to try and go on a run. <laughs> At this point, he's so far behind us, he has to be different. So he might have to, like, pick last and be like, ah, shoot, they all picked Georgia. I guess I got to pick Florida this week to try and make my, to, to make a comeback. No doubt. Uh, well, before we wrap this thing up, um, 
Thomas, want to get your take just on the season in general. Uh, like, what are your thoughts on the SEC, this college football season? Do you have any, you know, takeaways on Dion's takeover and, and obviously what, what maybe we could see with the college football playoff picture? No, nothing too crazy. I think, you know, what Dion's doing, it's obviously pretty interesting just because it's such an extreme end of the the spectrum when it comes to the transfer portal. And I think most coaches fall somewhere you know, between the, the, the 20 yard lines on that, as opposed to in that final, <laughs> that final 20. But uh, no, it's been fun, man. I, I mean, how can you complain about the, the attention that he's brought to college football? You know, I, you know, maybe, maybe it's a little too much for your tastes on any given Saturday, but uh, you know, I, I think it's good for the game. And um, as far as Florida goes, you know, I, I really think Billy Napier is doing a pretty good job overall. You know, there's obviously some things and, and we talked about some of them even on this podcast that I think he can do to shore things up. But for from my standpoint, you look at that recruiting class. If you keep tucking away good recruiting classes like that, eventually it's going to make a difference. And you're starting to see that, I think, especially on the defensive side of the ball, you're seeing what that improved recruiting can do. And so I think the key for Billy Napier is to, again, just continue to not let the wheels fall off. And that sounds yeah. uh, maybe a little bit overly simple, but as long as the wheels don't fall off and you can keep that recruiting class together, uh, keep stacking those recruiting classes, and I think you'll have a chance to eventually make a couple tweaks and, and be in a position where you can go compete for the SEC East. And, you know, you pair that with what they're doing in the portal, like that's got to make Florida fans feel good about the future of the roster because I think the the one um, thing that he's gotten credit for, he and his staff, is the evaluations that they've made and their ability to identify talent. And I wrote this this week, man, but I, I would argue that, Graham Mertz might be their best evaluation yet. Uh, you know, yeah, I can see when, you, when you consider the fact that they said that they evaluated 24 quarterbacks and went after him, I'm sure they went after a couple others too, but that he, they decided on him and they got criticized for that so much. And, um, and it wasn't just fans. It was a lot of analysts and stuff that didn't think it was going to work out uh, and, and they've made it work. So if they can continue to do what they've done in the portal, uh, with what they're doing in high school recruiting, like, you know, there's a lot to like there. Nick, we're, we're, we're getting the head nod from Nick. <laughs> yeah. well, guys, I wanted to, I wanted to thank you for having me on, man. It's been an awesome, uh, awesome time getting back together with y'all and talking a little ball. No, absolutely, man. I'm, I'm glad you, uh, you took the time to let Florida fans hear from you again, man. I know they, uh, they, they're so used to hearing you for, uh, you know, a decade, man. So I know, it's um, been a while. And, Anytime they can get TG's take, uh, you know, they're going to tune in, man. So uh, we appreciate you coming on, man. Um, you know, keep up the, all the great work and stay in touch as well, man. Sounds good. Talk to you guys later. Absolutely. Yeah. Thomas Goldcamp, former uh, Florida beat writer, giving us his take on the team and uh, kind of where they're at at this bye week point. And uh, Nick, we get to uh, wrap this up. Have a Friday. And then uh, a weekend to ourselves, my friend. Mm. What do you got planned for the weekend? What's uh, bye week Zach look like? Oh, I got to do some yard work. No, I thought I was about to ask you. We're going hit to hit, hit the water somewhere. Grab a spring. I might, I might try to sneak out to the springs tomorrow. Yard work um, for Zach, by the way, is five acres of mowing. It's not like I live in a corner lot, and I thought that was a lot. I mean, now there's a bunch of trees and limbs and stuff that I got to pick up. There's no more. Fortunately, it's not. We don't have to mow right now. Um, 
we've already got to that point in the year where the grass has stopped growing a lot. So that's great. Um, but no, man, I'm going to watch football, spend some time with the kids and the fam and just not work. Um, watch other college football games, what everybody else gets to do every Saturday. We, we're like tuning in on our phone and trying to watch in the press box. And like, we never, maybe we like catch the final drive, but we, we yeah. don't ever get to watch any other games. Um, I'm going to get that uh, that little quad box on YouTube TV. Maybe throw a laptop up. 2 p.m. UFC fight starts. That'll be up on a laptop. Big, big couch vibes. I almost <laughs> thought, I almost thought I was talking to, uh, talking to a buddy who now goes to uh, Auburn. I was about to go up to Auburn to go see the game. It's a night game versus Ole Miss. But then I was like, it's a five-hour drive. Got to find a hotel room in Auburn. Got to then drive five hours back. I was thinking about, like, checking off my 13th SEC stadium, which would be all 13 that I can possibly go to because Georgia has a bye week the same week I have a bye week. Um, <laughs> so, like, I was going to do it. I'm like, that's a, a lot of driving. I'm not going to do Listen, it. Listen, they are eventually going to renovate the stadium in Jacksonville, and we will go to Athens. I don't think they we're going to go to Athens. I think they're going to do a game in Atlanta at the Mercedes Dome, whatever it's called now. I think they're going to do a game in Tampa. And then I think Scott Strickland uh, and whoever George's AD, whatever his name is, are going to be like, hey, ah, Tampa and Atlanta. Hey, Jacksonville, Tampa and Atlanta want to pay us $12 million uh, to play the game up there and, and then down here every other year. Uh, what are you going to do? How much can you pay us? So I, I, I think – I think times uh, are a little are a little more are, were more simple in the '90s when Steve Spurrier got to go up there and hang half a hundred between the hedges. Uh, I think money <laughs> and advertising kind of runs college football more than college football runs itself now. Zach. Well, on that note, uh, as, as we close out the show, I want to uh, share a Spurrier story. Who oh. uh, had his had his radio show this week and. Again, gave Billy Napier his props, said it was the best game that he had called since he'd been at Florida, the best win that he had since he'd been at Florida. I know some other folks might say the Tennessee game, uh, but I think that's Spurs' way of taking the shot at the balls once again, uh, even in his way of giving uh, <clears throat> Florida a compliment. So, uh, but in his uh, discussion about Georgia, he told the story of his first win over the Bulldogs in 1990. And you can go and check out that story at gatorsonline.com. But in it, he talks about how he was irritated after the game because the Gators only beat Georgia 38 to seven, Nick. Um, and he goes over the a fumble that happened at the one yard line and some other things that they did that they didn't get any po points for. And he says it should have been about 55 or 62 to seven game but we had to settle for 38. <laughs> I mean, that is a classic Spurrier Cup. We had to settle for 38. Should have been 55 or 62 to 7. We had to settle. But, uh, we had Spurrier to settle. is a treasure. He is a treasure. Uh, the bye weeks are a treasure as well. Nick and I have enjoyed it. I know this Florida football team is enjoying it. And, hey, maybe you fans out there are probably enjoying it as well because um, you don't have to be emotionally – you get a, a week of – uh, weekend off to not be emotionally invested into a, a Florida Gators football game. So we appreciate everybody uh, for joining in. 
and uh, asking questions, leaving comments. Appreciate Thomas Goldcamp for joining us as well to give us his thoughts on the Florida football team. And I uh, want to encourage all Florida fans to go visit RogueShop.com if you have any issues with sleeping, chronic pain, and or anxiety and stress. Rogue Shop sells CBD, THC oils, smokables, and vapes, as well as handcrafted bath salts, soaps, and candles. Rogue Shop is a true small business. They have five employees and make all of their products with their own cannabis grown in their manufacturing facility. Visit RogueShop.com. That's R-O-G-U-U-E shop.com. Nick, that'll do it for this week, my friend. Um, enjoy the rest of uh, your midweek and then enjoy your weekend. Yeah, hold on, hold on. we got more than 100 people watching live, only 30 likes. Um, as as my guy Silk would say, we got 70, 80 haters in here. <laughs> it costs you nothing. Hit the like button for us. Hit subscribe. We appreciate you guys tuning in live every Thursday with us. And we'll be back next week for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. That's right. That is what it's called. That is what we will always call it, no matter what the official name is. Um, and it's also Florida, Georgia, not Georgia, Florida. Sorry. We follow, the, we, we follow the alphabet. Um, <laughs> I, some other states don't always do that. Alphabet's um, tough. No, it's, it's tough. It's tough, Nick. Um, so uh, this was not a tough show. We had a good time. Hope you guys did as well. We will see you next week to preview the world's largest outdoor cocktail party. For Nick Del Torre, I'm Zach Albuquerque. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.